A listener note, this story is about rape investigations and includes descriptions of sexual violence. A defense is always going to say, if there's DNA, it's he said, she said, or vice versa. The charge of rape, one, is going to be dismissed without prejudice. It's going to be hard to have a successful outcome. But this offender, we need to go to trial anyway. The challenging cases need to be brought. I found justice in the fight for justice. Because it's getting so sick and tired of everybody back home. Have they gotten the guy yet? Have they gotten him? Yep, they found out who it was. All right, is he in jail yet? Nope. <laughs> Anytime you go in front of a jury with more than one victim who's making a similar complaint, it increases the likelihood that a jury's going to understand and believe these witnesses. This is Dig, a podcast from the Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting and Louisville Public Media. I'm Eleanor Klippenoff. When the police showed up to Jen Sonato's hotel room in the early morning hours of January 3rd, 2018, she told them her insides hurt and showed them the blood on the sheets. She told them everything she could remember about the man who had fled her room. She thought they'd find him, arrest him, press charges, do whatever the criminal justice system does to people like him. That didn't happen. Like nearly half of all rape victims who report to Louisville Metro Police Department every year, Jen's case was cleared without an arrest. But by even talking to the patrol officers at the hotel that first night, Jen went further in this process than most rape victims ever will. Rape is the most underreported crime in America. Federal statistics estimate less than a quarter of all sexual assaults in 2018 were reported to police. So remember the funnel I told you about? From 194 cases reported to LMPD down to four that ended in a rape conviction? There's another part of that funnel all the way at the top. It's all the rapes that are never reported to the police. And we have no way of knowing how big that number could be. But what we do know is that based on national statistics, the number of rapes reported to LMPD each year is not even close to the number of rapes happening in this city. And we know that in 2017, Louisville had the lowest rate of reported rapes compared to 14 similarly sized cities it considers peers. I compared Louisville's 194 rapes to the data our peer cities submitted to the FBI that same year. Nashville, about the same population as Louisville, reported 492 rapes, two and a half times as many as Louisville. Cincinnati had 292 rapes. Kansas City reported 445. Indianapolis, 668. Even Lexington, half the population of Louisville, had more rape reports than LMPD. When a city has a low number of reported rapes, it doesn't necessarily mean the city is safer. It might mean people are less comfortable reporting for a whole range of reasons. Here's Eileen Rechtenwald, the executive director of the Kentucky Association of Sexual Assault Programs. She runs the statewide coalition of rape crisis centers. I think 194 people is a very um, low number for that population, but it's a lot of very brave people because it takes a lot to make that decision to do it, especially given what they know about the prosecution rate in, in Louisville. Assistant Commonwealth Attorney Christy Gray told me in 2018 that low reporting rates for rape cases concern her. Her office weighs in on most rape cases in Louisville and decides whether police will make an arrest. So many of these that occur don't get reported. So honestly, you know, I think there's a strong likelihood that there is a possibility that cases get screened out and they go on to reoffend and we don't ever know about it. I asked LMPD spokesperson Jesse Halliday and Special Victims Lieutenant Shannon Lauder about these low reporting numbers. 
They didn't think the police or prosecutors held any blame for Louisville trailing its peer cities on this metric. They said, if victims don't report their rapes, it's my fault. The issues that make it difficult are that police are pitted as people who don't care and portrayed as people who don't care. And I think that is a big part of it. That stories like this will make it more difficult for women to come forward because they won't trust police because cases like this are difficult to prosecute. I mean, do you think it's the story that's going to stop people? I mean, Frank, I mean... I think that there is a very good chance that some woman somewhere listens to how you're trying to make us sound and chooses not to come forward because you're making it sound like we don't care or we would know who her rapist was and we wouldn't prosecute. This is what LMPD has been telling me since I first started looking into this a year ago, that I am making it seem like they would know the identity of a rapist, know where that person is, be able to go make an arrest, but choose not to arrest and prosecute that person. But it's their own stats that make it seem like that. In 2017, LMPD cleared nearly half of all rape cases on those exact terms, compared to 15 percent that were cleared by arrest. Nationally, about 25 percent of rape cases are cleared by arrest each year. Nationally, we're not doing great. Tara Richards is a professor of criminology at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. She studies how sexual assault is handled by the criminal justice system. If we can kind of look at this as an average, right, a benchmark, then, you know, how are we doing? Are we doing better or worse? And for um, probably a whole host of reasons, you know, the county's doing worse, right? The jurisdiction's doing worse. Why is that? That's the same question Jen Sonato had when I met her for an interview in October 2019. Jen had been trying to figure out what was going on with her case for almost two years at that point. She felt ignored and sidelined and out of the loop since almost that first night when the police came to her hotel room. And it turned out, when we met, I actually knew more about her case than she did. And so, eventually, LMPD closed your case, right? Did they? I'm hoping not. Okay. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, <gasps> I'm like... <laughs> what? LMPD had told Jen's lawyers on her civil suit that a prosecutor had declined the case. The lawyers thought Jen already knew, but she didn't. She found out when I told her. It's very disappointing. Unbelievable. Your case was closed using this designation they use called prosecution declined, which basically means they took it to a prosecutor and the prosecutor said, we're not going to press charges. And the thing about that is that to, to mark a case that way, they have to believe that they have probable cause to, to arrest the guy, but they're still not going to do it. So that's basically, you know, that's what that means is we have probable cause to make an arrest. But because the case, for, you know, for whatever reason, won't, we don't think it would go to trial. We don't think it would stand up in trial. We don't think that we'd be able to get a, a guilty verdict. They decide not to take it. That is... Corrupt. That is, it doesn't make sense. So nothing now? The last document in Jen's police file is a status form. It reads, the case was screened with Commonwealth attorney Christy Gray. There is not enough evidence to move forward at this time. And below that, a box is checked. Cleared by exception, prosecution declined. LMPD spokesperson Jesse Halliday says it's kinder to tell rape victims they're not going to arrest the suspect 
than to say they don't know if they ever will. That has a lot to do with the victim-centered approach that we take in terms of giving victims something that they can be kind of definitive with. So at this point, your case is closed by exception because you either decline to cooperate, you know, in terms of wanting to move forward, or there's just simply not enough evidence so the prosecution team doesn't think we can get it to court. It gives a little bit more definition in terms of this type of crime. But clearing a case by exception isn't supposed to be used to make victims feel good. It's an FBI designation that police should only use under very specific circumstances. In cases where there's a suspect identified and located and police have probable cause to make the arrest, but there's an exceptional circumstance beyond their control. The suspect is dead or the victim asks them not to make the arrest or the prosecutor says they're not going to take the case. It's so police agencies aren't penalized when they've solved a case and plan to make an arrest, but can't. But to clear a case by exception, police have to be able to make that arrest otherwise. That's just, that's the bottom line. You have to be able to write a warrant. Liz Donegan, the former sex crime sergeant from Austin, said most rape cases won't meet this burden. Police will have a suspect, but not the evidence to get a warrant. They're probably going to be suspended. You don't have enough um, to write a warrant but you cannot say it didn't happen. So they lay in that suspended category. But Louisville is clearing half its rape cases by exception, even as people like Donegan acknowledge how hard it can be to get probable cause in rape cases. I asked LMPD Lieutenant Shannon Lauder about how her special victims unit clears cases by exception. The way our policy is written to to clear a case, prosecution inclined, we have to have identified a suspect and know where they are to be able to clear a case, close by exception, prosecution declined. And you also have to have probable cause to make the arrest. Correct. Three requirements. First, a suspect. In Jen's case, only one man's DNA was found in her rape kit, the man from the hotel bar. But back in July 2018, 10 months before Detective Lindsay Lynch got those results, she told the suspect he was off the hook. Literally, he asked, am I off the hook? And she said, yes. But LMPD spokesperson Jesse Halliday said no one is ever truly off the hook. She said the case could be reopened and he could be charged at any time. Do you think that's clear to suspects? I mean, I would think that that's pretty clear, yes. I mean, there are lots of stories, lots of, you know, that happens all the time. I mean, I think that suspects generally know if we tell them they're not being charged at this time, that that means they're not being charged at this time. She was pretty clear in the phone call that she didn't believe there was evidence that a crime had occurred. Um, do you, I don't think at any point it was communicated to him, you're off the hook for now. I mean, I think we've answered that question, Eleanor, so move okay. on. So it seems LMPD has identified a suspect in this case. The second requirement to clear a case by exception is that police have to know where the suspect is so they could go make an arrest. They reached him by phone, so it seems they know where he is. And then the third requirement probable cause. Lauder described probable cause as a big gray area. LMPD's manual says it's the level of evidence based on facts that a rational objective observer would need to accuse a specific subject of a particular crime. That's a big gray area. But the manual is also very specific that to clear a case by exception, police must have sufficient probable cause to support charging and prosecuting the offender. So I asked Lieutenant Lauder. Is that where Jen's case stands right now? You've got a suspect identified, you know where they are, and you've got probable cause to make an arrest? There is not probable cause to make an arrest in this case. Then how can the case be cleared by exception? 
because there is evidence, Jen's testimony, the victim's testimony in this case, and we know who the, the suspect is and we know where he is and the prosecution declined the case, it was able to fall into that category. There is not probable cause to move forward at this time with charges against the suspect. But per both the FBI and LMPD's own rules, you have to have probable cause to clear a case by exception. Right. So how is this case cleared by exception? Because it falls under the category that it was declined by the prosecutor and there's evidence in coordination with the victim. And we know who the suspect is and we know where he is. But there's not probable cause. Correct. Jen Sonato told LMPD she was raped. During their investigation, police obtained so little evidence, they didn't even think they could get an arrest warrant. But they took the case to a prosecutor anyway. Prosecutors declined the case, and police cleared it as if they'd solved it, and as if the prosecutor was the only thing that stopped them from making an arrest. Halliday clarified there was minimal probable cause in Jen's case but not enough to get an arrest warrant. And if you want to, you know, dispute that that's, you know, we shouldn't have closed this by exception because we didn't have enough probable cause to issue an arrest warrant, then you can make that argument. After Jen learned her case had been cleared by exception, she reached out to Sergeant Tim Stokes from LMPD's sex crimes unit. He's Detective Lindsay Lynch's boss. Jen started communicating with him after she said she had trouble getting answers from Detective Lynch. He confirmed that the case had been cleared, and reminded her that she hadn't responded to an email from him for more than a year before, in August 2018, asking for medical records. She had told him about injuries that had emerged in the weeks after her rape kit exam, and he wrote back asking about seeing those records. But Jen had responded within a month of that email. Um, And I had said my response, I'll fill out your medical forms, just let me know what you need. No response. Now, more than a year after that missed email, and after clearing her case, Stokes replied. And then he had said, well, now that we know of these injuries, um, any new evidence, we can absolutely reopen the case if that's what you would like. Just let us know. And my response was, absolutely, of course, and please keep me updated. She also noted in the email, there are several ways these could have been obtained, and I'm not going to accept responsibility, and then it's my fault this wasn't pursued. And he had apologized for that and then said they would reopen it. I reviewed the emails between Stokes and Jen. He wasn't quite that definitive. Stokes said they could present the case to be reviewed by the prosecutor again, with the medical records documenting her injuries included. It will likely be the same prosecutor who screened the case last time, Christy Gray. For Jen, having the case open meant hope. Hearing it had been cleared by exception confirmed for her what she thought from that first night when the patrol officers came to her hotel room. They didn't believe her. All of this has left Jen reeling. She's terrified that the man who she says raped her is still out there. She's still dealing with medical issues from that night. She's been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, which is affecting her job. And she's frustrated by how she's been treated. Jen knows she's in a better position to advocate for herself than a lot of people who report their rapes. She's a white, professional woman with a college degree and the time and resources to hire private attorneys and advocate for herself. It's a crying shame. Because a lot of other women would not be as persistent and it takes a lot of courage to come in here and talk about my vagina being lacerated so I can see and sympathize with some women who wouldn't want to do that. And that's just so shameful because rapists get like a get a pass in Louisville, I guess. 
Throughout this story, I've been asking you to imagine a funnel. 194 rapes reported. 122 supposedly with probable cause to make an arrest. 30 arrests, 10 prison sentences, 4 convictions for rape. Now, forget the funnel. And instead, imagine all the people who make up that funnel. 194 people who called the police for help after they or a loved one was raped. That's how Jen Sonato asks you to imagine it. I gladly would have prosecuted. I wanted to. I want to. Dig was reported by Eleanor Klibanoff, edited by Kate Howard, and produced by Laura Ellis. Jake Ryan and Alexander Kanick contributed to the reporting. Kojin Tashiro created our theme music with assistance from Ryan Marsh. Photos by Tyler Franklin and illustrations by Carrie Newmeyer. We receive support for this project from the Solutions Journalism Network, a nonprofit organization dedicated to rigorous and compelling reporting about responses to social problems. Special thanks to Catherine Winter, Erica Peterson, Ashley Clark Thompson, and Jonice Franklin. See the photos and documents behind the story at kydig.org. From the Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting and Louisville Public Media. My name is Keely Sorensen, and I'm the Vice President of Victim Services at RAIN, the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. The National Sexual Assault Hotline can be reached at 1-800-656-HOPE. The goal of the National Sexual Assault Hotline is really to help survivors and their loved ones learn more about sexual violence and take the next steps that they feel ready to take in their healing journey. What we want people to know is that if you or someone you know has been affected by sexual violence, please consider reaching out to the National Sexual Assault Hotline. We operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, both online and by telephone. 1-800-656-HOPE. We are here for you and we believe you.